Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 40 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to first. The serialized one of one, the Dave, the Alcadron, the Vader. How's it going? It is going really, really well, Brad. Let me tell you, you know what? I gotta, I'm gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna flip this a little bit. I'm not going to answer the question, how's it going? I'm going to pretend like you asked me the question, what are you wearing right now, Dave? Because the answer to that question (laughs) will give you a perfect understanding of how I'm doing. The answer to that question is, I am wearing a PDH pod hoodie. Oh my God. That was delivered in the mail to me two days ago by the legend, the, the unstoppable scooby-drew absolute unstoppable this man cannot be contained i'm so jealous yep i think mine's coming tomorrow but i'm super jealous this man will not be stopped this man <laughs> has a, we've tried he, he can't he can't be stopped he has we tried he has a cricket and a mission <laughs> and a mission and, <laughs> and god help whoever stands in his way that is absolutely correct and this is oh it's so good it's the it's the perfect color and it's so soft like yeah, look good. I saw the uh, picture you posted in Discord. Yeah, good. no, like I, 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 I got the box. I immediately put it on, and I walked into my partner's room to show her, and she was like, "That I'm stealing that." And I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> no!" So uh, I have to enjoy it while I can. So it won't be mine for much longer. Yep, understood. That's completely fair. So, so my understanding is yeah. that we have a listener who has a cricket and makes things. A patron, mm. a, a patron. Sorry, not a just patron. a listener. We have a, 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 yeah. a patron who who has a cricket and makes things. So, is their name Scooby Drew or is it Geppetto? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh... <laughs> I'll see myself out. Okay, I was next. Next up was going Kick. to be. The resident PDH, PDH, the PDH. but we've uh, we've had an abrupt change of plans, <laughs> an abrupt staffing change, if you will. Oh, Liam, what are you wearing? You wearing a hoodie? Um, I am not. I am wearing a burrito blanket. Oh, that's so it's good. what is a burrito blanket? Is that literally what it sounds like? Yeah, it's 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 a blanket in the shape in the shape of a circle, and it has the pattern of a burrito. I'll have to take a picture of it and post it in the Discord. Oh, it's fantastic! I'm jealous of that too. Um, Gee, I'm just <laughs> living in Jealousyville over here in freaking Missouri. <laughs> Jealousyville, Missouri, population me. Get get some good clothes, man. I don't know. Sounds like it. Oh, I am wearing a. Uh, I have a. I guess it's a makeshift shawl it's a it's a hand crocheted blanket it's very oh, very nice, nice and comfortable i i i i have periods where i get really into crochet and then i stop for years and then i get yeah. back into crochet like i'm i'm coming off of one of my crochet mini benders where i crocheted a couple axolotls nice but yeah it's yep. been it's been a minute yeah my wife's big into it most of the blankets in our house blankets and pillows in our house like decorative pillows they're all crocheted that sounds nice i mean yeah. And then she did like a big Snoopy advent calendar that hangs on the wall during Christmas and stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. 
sounds outstanding. That's pretty pretty dope. I don't know if they say that in the crochet world, but it's dope. Well, they, they say it in the crochet world now. I, it's going to happen. All right. Well, cool, how, cool, cool. Let's move on to... Uh, oh, wait, what? I was, I, was, I was about to ask you how you were doing, but you, you did just tell me about your crocheted shawl, so I think... I did. I am nice and warm, but I'm doing well. Um, took the week off last week. Uh, got got some things right, and it's good to be back. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for the show. Welcome back. Played some good good games. We played a three hour game on Saturday, followed by a half hour game. So that was <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> if we really wanted to get two games in, and we were like, okay, game two is just grab your aggro deck and let's go <laughs> we did that once in the the pals studio we after we were coming to the the very end of a 24 hour long stream and a bunch of us were just like we're so close we we need to do another get another game but we need it to not last long so we all just kind of like met each other's eyes and we we're like all right no blocking allowed and we just grabbed yep. the most <laughs> the most aggressive like raw super power decks we could find and we we're like let's see how fast we can go Yep, that's pretty much what I did. I grabbed my Thrakus deck, and I think turns 5, 6, and 7, he attacked for like 18, 22, and 18, or something like that. Yeah, those are not small numbers. No, not small, especially when you got like a soul a Soul's Fire in hand. You can just take somebody out. Oh, yeah, oh, that sounds like fun. I know, right? <laughs> Very fun. All right, what's also fun is the main topic, but we got to do some housekeeping first. As usual, if you like the show and you like what we're doing here, check us out over on Patreon at patreon.com slash thepdhpod. Uh, by being a patron, you get access to the pre-show, which is usually a, a uh, short recording of us catching up for the week, working on some audio issues, that sort of thing. Uh, you got to hear a very, very cool story from Dave's teaching years over in Japan. So, um Check that out if you're a patron. And then you also get early access to the episode before it goes live, usually the night before. I also post the show notes there so you can sort of follow along with what we're talking about. We we usually put like the hyperlinks to the cards and that sort of thing in there. And then finally, you get access to our Discord, the PDH Pod Discord, where you can chat with the crew, chat with the other patron members, get help with your deck decks, and then uh, just generally good conversation all around. So check that out. And then also we have our YouTube channel that we've been slowly putting up content on. I think we've finally got all with the help of Lobert, of course we finally got all the audio versions of the podcast up over there so you can check those out if that's your thing we're just the pdh pod on youtube as well and then check out the saturday streams over on twitch twitch.tv slash the pdh pod so uh Lobert has stepped up to take over the monday night stream so be sure to check out his twitch as well and then he's going to have a separate sign up sheet for those so um Get in contact with him, hit him up on Twitter or Discord, however you chat with Robert. Do that so you can get in on some of the Monday games with him. All right. Whew, that was a mouthful. Uh, Liam, what do we got this week? I hear you did something fancy last weekend. Yeah. So uh, in the last week, I did a three-hour one-way drive to Philly, uh, played Magic for about six hours, and then did another one-way three-hour drive back home from Philly. <laughs> All in all, I spent more time in Philly than in, in the car, which is nice. Uh, uh, that was definitely sure. the goal. We spent more time at the event than, than in the car. But I went and played in Dallas Walker's uh, second Riches to Rags event, which was uh, phenomenal. Yeah, it sounded like it was a very good turnout. Did um, He doubled the size of that one, wasn't it? Wasn't it 64 this so time? So the, the, the tickets were open to double the size. The first one, which he ran in October, was 32, and this one was 64, but... but he only had about 30 people sign up for this one. Oh, okay. So the, the, it had potential to be double the size. I'm, I'm actually a little sad it wasn't, uh, but but hopefully, well, yeah, hopefully naturally. that event will continue to grow and we'll see more and more people organizing them. Yeah, I certainly hope so. It sounds like a good event. 
Uh, I forgot what I was doing Sunday, so I tried to keep up. I didn't get to watch any of the 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 live streams on YouTube for the event. I think I may go back and watch those if they're on you YouTube. Should watch those. Um, live I got stream one and three. I was playing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. One and three. All right, I'll have um, to bookmark those. Uh, so I kind of kept up with it through Twitter and Discord and such, and it, it looked like a good time. I yeah, was super jealous. I, uh, I shared my standings throughout the day on, on Twitter, and then Discord, I didn't actually realize people were like in our Discord all day talking about it until like literally the end of the day. Uh, but I think... Yeah, the aforementioned <laughs> Scooby Drew wanted to rename one of the channels just Liam Watch yeah, I, 2023. I can't, channel, <laughs> I can't remember which channel it was, but I remember it was either, it was either Scooby Drew or Brownie were in there their significant other was they, they were them and their significant other were driving they would uh in the car the significant other was like relaying events and the thing that just like made me laugh out loud at the event was your friend was at 30 and now he's at one <laughs> and, and i'm just like yeah yeah i felt that too <laughs> yeah that happened it took me some dig and i was like how in the world did that happen but i guess with gut that just happens I, I never actually posted in the Discord. I can't remember the exact uh, play of the cards, but there was not a Lotus Petal in there. There was a Kadoltha Rebirth, and there was an Impulsive oh. Pilferer. And ah. those two things combined okay, okay. made a butt-ton of tokens that we just couldn't interact with. Uh, and and the Gut player did not win that game, which, uh, you know, the only way Gut loses is by picking the wrong player to eliminate first. Uh, and turns yes, out, uh-huh. even if... Even if it felt like the objectively correct thing to do is eliminate the control player before they literally can even start the game, turns out Gut needs a control player in the game to kind of help keep them along. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, they sure. lost to the mm-hmm. other control player that gets about as fast as a start as Gut does, uh, which was Gretchen. So, yeah. Yeah, Gretchen uh, Gretchen ended up taking I, down I, the tournament, Gretchen took right? down the tournament. I feel like Gretchen won that game. I... I I may be wrong. It might have been the fourth player, but I, I I feel strongly that Gretchen took down that game. Was was it Bobby playing Gretchen? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. There was only one Gretchen he's, player at the tournament. Nice. So yeah. He's I've I played I played a couple games with him. He's he's very skilled. Oh yeah, and I did forget to I, I forgot to mention earlier. Sorry to cut you off in the housekeeping section since we were all pumped up over Liam Liam Watch 2023 that uh, we sort of tossed around the idea of doing a PDH Pod Discord only tournament sometime maybe in mid to late May. So keep an eye out for that too. I want Ian on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, we may have. If they're not playing in the tournament, we may have the likes of Derek and or Papa Popper to commentate the Ooh, tournament. That would be pretty possibly, sweet. Possibly. Possibly. Haven't heard anything for sure, but that might be a thing that's happening. I, I like those guys. Yeah, they're good dudes. Yeah. Pretty good magic players they are. We've got to get them back on the show eventually. I've heard of the one guy. Yeah. He's absolutely. a professional something. I just can't remember what. It could, could be anything, honestly. Yeah. Professional. It could be anything. Yeah. His business card just says professional. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Flip it over. Nothing on the back. Who knows? Nothing on the back. I feel like we we had them on the show like very early, and then and it was great. Like they're 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 terrific, sure, they're terrific yeah. people to podcast with. And like I I feel like a big reason we had them on the show early is because they're they're such pillars of the community. We wanted you know to really introduce them. I feel like now our show has grown a little bit in like audience and listenership. I feel like mm-hmm. it is it is reach as they possible call that there are people who are listening now that were not listening then that need to meet Eric, Derek and Ryan and, and Clay and Puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, no one's met Puzzle no one's yet, met, at least not on our yeah. show. I, I, he, he just started his own show, so hopefully people I met know. him there. I'm pretty but excited like, about we, that. we got to bring him on so we can talk about his show. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, well, that is in the works. Yeah. Thing, things to look forward to, friends. Teaser, though, we can't do it next week. 
Why? What's going well, on? Something next else is next week. Next week. Something else. Don't what's you going worry on next about week? it. Hold up. A, hold up. Hold up. I was told nothing was going on next week. What's going on next week? A more differenter thing. A Don't worry about different it. A more different thing. Mm. It's just more. Di- yeah, it's just more differenter. Mm. Yeah. This seems suspicious, guys. I don't know. Trust just me. Just fire up your mic around five o'clock, and you'll okay. be good. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh, all right. All right. All Back to the main topic. Actually, on to the main topic. Uh, this week. We're going to open up our PDH field guidebook to the chapter on disruption. The uh, The concept of disruption is generally thought of, everyone thinks of hand disruption, like discard spells and making people pitch things out of their hand. Uh, but it can take on many different forms. You can get the key piece out of your opponent's hand. You can, you can remove their combo piece from the battlefield. You can even strip their graveyard of something they need. And then boom. You've executed disruption very successfully. Congratulations. Uh, many times it isn't really a standalone game plan, though. You know, you don't just build like, I'm going to build Orzhov Disruption because that doesn't do anything. You're just going to end up making people feel bad and you're not going to win. You're just going <laughs> to lose because your deck doesn't do anything else. <laughs> so it's not necessarily like an archetype or a game plan. But oftentimes, you know, it'll help your deck do what it's trying to do, or it will give your deck time to do what it needs to do, basically. You know, one of the most iconic examples of disruption, I think, in the whole game is Thoughtseize. You know, the the one black mana discard spell, pay two life, get a card out of their hand. You know, you can do it as early as two, uh, turn one. You can strip their turn one or two play from their hand. You can make them discard that five drop that they're going to ramp into and kill you. All those, all those plays are amazingly strong, and that's kind of the quintessential disruption spell, if you will. The plan of attack needs to take on a different appearance at common, especially at the common multiplayer level. So, like so many other things in our format and with our strategies, we have to kind of get creative with it. So, um I don't know. Dave, Liam, does that all sound pretty good? Does that cover sort of the concept of disruption? Is there anything we need to touch on before we get into the uh, nuts and bolts of it? There are things that I would like to add, but I want to see if Liam has anything to say before I do. Let's see sure. what you have to add before I add anything. <laughs> so the thing that I want to add is is I want to I want to connect this to other ideas. And the, the first thing I want to connect it to is the 3x3s. We've done a lot of 3x3s and even one or two 4x4s where mm-hmm. we talk about uh, different decks and we, 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 we break the deck's plan into pillars. And one of the pillars every time is how to not run out of gas. Yep. And that was that's such a crucial part of playing this game that we did an, an entire episode about it a couple weeks ago dedicated entirely to card advantage. And it was just that pillar. Yep. One of our other pillars is how to not die, and that's really what we're doing here. Disruption Maybe, yeah. mm-hmm. is just how to not die. It's like I, I guess you could even phrase it as how to keep them from killing you. Yes. Yes, yeah. that's a that's a good way of putting it. I tend to think about when I'm when I'm looking at a magic deck and determining what it does. I'm I'm trying to like see where it lives on a spectrum of being extremely proactive and trying to win the game and being very reactive and trying to prevent other people from winning the game. Sure. I think about it kind of like a race a little bit where like if you're going to do a race you could either like you could put a lot of effort into like going really fast and just trying to get across the finish line before anyone else does or you could put a lot of effort into tripping everyone else there. <laughs> like that is you, also a strategy, sure. If, mm-hmm. if you make everyone else just fall on their face over and over again, then you just get to walk across the yeah, finish like line. Yeah, like throw trash cans in front of them, you know, the yeah. plate glass window across the street, all that stuff. Yep. Yeah, if you do that well enough, 
you can moonwalk across the finish line with both middle fingers <laughs> up, like pointed at everyone, and like you're probably a bad person, but you're probably a good magic player at that point. Like it's yeah. it's possible. So like we wanna we wanna see where where we're gonna fall on that spectrum. I think everyone needs to be on the spectrum somewhere. Like if yeah, your absolutely. deck is nothing but gas, you're gonna you're someone's gonna trip you and you're gonna spend the whole time on your face. If yeah, your deck it's is real hard to recover. Mm -hmm. If your deck is nothing but tripping people, like you need you need some forward momentum to get to the finish line yourself. So like right. your your deck should be in the middle, but we're this episode is going to be about tripping people. How to trip people successfully? Yeah, that's what I'm here be for. A professional people tripper. Was was Liam going to add uh, anything now that I have delivered my silly? I think it was metaphor? great. It was very uh, very informative, very so, visual. So... Uh, this episode, Liam is going to be playing devil's advocate with a lot of this stuff. Okay. Because Sounds good. A, that's fun and, and a little bit different, and B, uh, because some of this I I really want to challenge and, and, and get a better understanding. Because honestly, to me, disruption can mean a lot of things. And I know mm -hmm. that, that Dave and Brad yep. wanted to get a very specific definition with it that I'm still curious myself about uh, kind of looking through it. Uh, for instance, uh, when you're playing in a competitive tournament, cascading into a howling golem is disruption because the whole table does not a double take, not a triple take, but a quadruple take of that does what I think it does, right? And you're just like, yes, with a straight face. Pass you're the tongue. smiling. Yes, it sure does. <laughs> and so that counts as disruption because it, it just does, you know, 15 psychological damage. <laughs> Emotional it, it really does. damage. Emotional damage. <laughs> so, so there's a lot that I would consider to be disruption that isn't necessarily what's just printed on cardboard. That is I, uh, psychological warfare. I probably wouldn't call that disruption. I feel like post hoc you can make an argument that y your your gameplay decisions ruined everyone else's threat assessment so catastrophically <laughs> that that sort of contributed to your win. That's that's an argument that you can make post hoc. I don't think that's an argument you can make pre hoc. Like I don't think you can be like my plan is here's here's why I put Howling Gollum in there. My plan is to freak <laughs> right? you out. <laughs> right? Like I don't I don't know if that's going to hold up in court. Uh, I guess we'll just have to find out. It might. Let's see. Let's see. I know we wanted to first sort of break down this this idea of disruption into different types of disruption. Dave, you want to start us off? I would be delighted to tell you about all the different things that I think are disruption. Absolutely. I think, I think we, we have to start, I think, with hand disruption because I think that that's the yeah. most often at least the most often place where this word gets used the, the word like disruption sometimes especially in old school magic that can be an actual strategy yeah absolutely like they used to be decks i mean they used to be just I, that's what you did <laughs> i have one i in 2003 when they printed or 2004 when they printed um stab whisker the odious what i yeah. i built eight rack like five years before eight rack was a thing i had a casual 60 card eight rack deck but it was actually nice. 16 rack because i had stab whisker <laughs> and rack and wheel of torture and rackling what and just like him to stab whisker S stab whisker it's a, it's one of the flip kamigawa cards it's um, oh my god it's sure short fang i think you are absolutely correct yep. yeah yeah it's just it's a it's a rat that has a tap ability it makes people discard and then if they're out of cards in hand it flips into a three three rack yeah 
That's yeah. exactly what it does. So yeah, good, uh, good. hand disruption absolutely has been a thing. Has been a, like a, a strategy you can employ for a long time. I think that of all the different flavors of disruption that we're going to talk about, I think that hand disruption is the one that gets most often associated with the word disruption. I think that we're probably also in this episode going to talk a lot about removal, which I think is as disruptive, but doesn't use the word disruption as much. I think we're going to talk about stack interaction, which again is very disruptive, but usually doesn't get that word. And I think we're probably going to talk about graveyard disruption, which again, I don't know what word people use that often but um we're putting all of these under the disruption umbrella for now yep. because they're all ways that you can mess with all ways that you can trip people make sure that they're not running sprinting ahead of you to the finish line and that's kind of what i i wanted to clarify what i said earlier like you can win off a deck that is based around like disruption like discard you know with your rack effects and that sort of thing to to ping them down and get them to zero you're not gonna win if your deck is literally discard tribal you have to have a reason to be running right. these, you know, it, whether it's to save your big finishers, to kill them with rack damage, that sort of thing. I actually so they have, have a... to be working towards the goal. Like the disruption itself is not the goal. I have an explicit note to mention that when you start talking about commanders later. So yeah, that's an excellent point. We will we will circle back to it. Sure. For now, I just wanna I wanna tell you what hand disruption is gonna look like in PDH. I wanna start off by saying that Burglar Rats is an outstanding card. It really it's is. A... Two mana, one one comes into play. Each opponent discards one. It's great. It's great value. It's very flickerable. It it just puts in lots of work. You can also try to disrupt people's hands with effects like duress or like coercion. These are effects that let you look at a person's hand and choose a card from it and make them discard that card. Mm -hmm. The reason that these cards are honestly pretty terrible. EDH is that you have to sort of know ahead of time which which opponent you're going to target with this, and you have to know that they have something that's worth you murking with a card. And like so often, you don't have that information, and you're going to choose the wrong opponent, or they're just not going to have the card that you wanted to get from them. Or like you know sometimes you know with duress specifically, duress is an instant or sorcery, I think. Or maybe it's just non-creature. I don't remember. Uh, it's non-creature, non-land. Non-creature, non-land. That makes sense. Yep. So you can hit artifacts. Yeah. Um, it's possible that you just duress someone and they have a handful of creatures and lands. Like, oh, it is. Christ, it happens all the time. Yeah. Yep. So like, I I want to put in my opinion. Burglar rats making everyone discard gives itself some repeatability by being a body. You can flicker it and stuff. I think that that has an enormous value. I think that duress effects and, and like duress is just my stand in for all of these effects Yeah, uh -huh. that let you, you know, look at someone's hands and pick something and, and mark that one card specifically. If it's targeting a player, it's probably not great. Yeah. You probably want to save it for formats that have sideboards. Yeah. Also in the hand disruption category, I want to mention, uh, if you're sitting on Scryfall doing a search for things that say each opponent discards, you're going to miss a couple really powerful gems here uh, in the form of Mind Swords and Mind Leech Ghoul. These cards are really powerful ways to disrupt your opponent's hand, but they do not contain the word discard. Mm -hmm. They contain the word exile. Even better. Mind Swords is each player exiles two cards from their hand. Mind Leech Ghoul, each player exiles a card from their hand. So make sure that you're you remain open to finding these other options if you're if you're doing Scryfall database searches. Mm -hmm. Not just discard. Exile from hand is a thing. Yep. I also want to shout out Burning Inquiry. <laughs> it's like the only yeah. the yeah, only absolutely. non black thing. 
Burning Inquiry is a one-mana red sorcery that says each player draws three, then discards three cards at random. Uh, it is <laughs> possible that this takes away someone's combo piece. Oh, I have, it's very possible, yeah. I have seen this card unironically in competitive lists, specifically because it damages combos. So uh, there's there's value in the Burning Inquiry. I think I think it's a solid card. I think, it, I think it deserves more attention than it gets. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. The next kind of disruption I want to talk about is Battlefield, if uh, if we're done with the hand disruption discussion. I think so, too. There's, you know, you gave some examples in the in the breakdown there, but literally for each example you gave, there's probably 100 cards that do uh, similar things. So yeah. we don't need to list every single one of them. Just know that those types of effects are either good, like Dave said, or bad, like Dave said. <laughs> Generally speaking. Yeah. There's a new duress type card that makes a Power Stone token that I want to experiment with. It might be okay. I'm not sure. We're going to we're going to do some science. It doesn't Ooh, for science. I like it, it. It it costs 3 mana, which is pricey. It doesn't Gix's specify a, that's the one. It doesn't specify a card type. You can so it's not like duress where they're just going to not have the right type of card in in their hand and you're just Yeah, it just fizzle. has non-land. Yep land so you're you're gonna hit a spell somewhere and then it gives you the power stone token and it's a it's three mana to create a power stone token i think that this is just like sort of fine as a rock like three mana for a rock is like on rate with bonders ornament and like lantern revealing these these things that have other effects stapled onto them so the, the question is is the mana restriction on the power stone make this card like so much worse than other other mana rocks that picking and choosing right. a card out of someone's hand for them to discard isn't worth it. So yeah, we're gonna, this is definitely gonna take some testing. Yeah, we're gonna do science on that one, but mostly duress effects are a trap. Yes, agreed. So yeah, battlefield disruption. Uh, this is more commonly known as removal. We we talk about this on the show all the time. We call it removal. We call it control. In my mind, this is a flavor of disruption. It comes in all flavors. We're gonna we're gonna do targeted destruction. We're going to murder things. We're going to disenchant things. We're going to do board wipes. Uh, we're going to kill lots of creatures at once, but not the big ones. We're going to do and it, edicts. And it is disruption because it literally is disrupting what your opponent is trying to do. Yes. Yeah, it's not like, oh, the you know, I, I don't think of it that way. Like, when I put a cast down on my deck, I'm like, this is disruption. Like, it's, it's removal, but it is taking out pieces that the opponent needs to win the game it is so. it is a great way to trip someone yeah there to you go. slow them down long enough so you can cross it exactly so yeah if uh if you need to kill 10 little things you got a board wipe you need to kill one big thing maybe if that thing has hexproof you got some edict yeah so we can we can kill creatures artifacts enchantments super easy one thing that i think deserves a mention here is land destruction mm-hmm if this is your entire plan, I hope that you know what you're getting into and you're prepared for the <laughs> friendship-ending fallout that comes with this. Yeah, because uh, that's going to happen. Army ants is an uncommon creature, and that is a decision that you can make. If <laughs> As an adult, you can choose to do that. I, I, I cannot legally stop you from making this decision. I can just tell you maybe you should think really hard about it before you make that decision. Yep, that's pretty much what uh, the pals told me on Twitter today because I was talking about I wanted to brew Colrath Knight. Do you know that card? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that uh, 
your opponent's creatures can't attack or block if they have counters on them and the commander itself has wither and you can do all this crazy stuff with counters and stuff and yeah the pals were like basically that like you're an adult you can make this decision (laughs) i just don't recommend it at all (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've i've played against colrath knight it's really it's actually very oppressive to the point where it seems like it yeah you sort of like arch enemy yourself and like everyone everyone is either killing your commander constantly so that their creatures can Can attack Mm -hmm. or if they don't have like the removal in hand to just kill your creature they're just going to put all of their efforts into killing you Yes, because yeah, it's similar to is... how the new tour plays out. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, tour, tour is just going to go straight for your life total. Like it's not going to prevent you that's from true. playing the game in the meantime. So yeah, it might be point. more powerful, but it's also like more. It's less salt inducing, I think. Oh, yeah, is the, there's is the so problem much salt. With, I, I've never uh, even played Colrath. the Colrath deck or played against it, but I can just tell there's it's it's a salt mine. It's a it's a mess. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, definitely be prepared to reap what you sow if you're going to do uh, land destruction. Oh, if you're going to do the dedicated land destruction time. Yeah, I yeah, also yeah. want to briefly shout out here that um, if you want to make land destruction a small part of your game plan, I think that that has a lot of merit. Sure. Uh, I think that there's a lot of decks these days that generate enormous, crazy, ridiculous mana value by utilizing land enchantments like utopia sprawl or wild growth and land untappers like arbor elf or voyaging satyr and i think you can throw this colossal absurd tremendous wrench into their plan you can like this is i've i watched a competitive game where this happened once uh the guy was mana screwed but he had like three land auras on this one mountain Mm -hmm. there's one one forest and some guy just boomeranged his forest and like oh, this wasn't God. this wasn't him getting tripped. This was amputation below the knee. Like, <laughs> it was like putting a piano wire out across the uh, racetrack. <laughs> right. Like it just like it's it's like when, when someone trips you, you can stand back up. This was like go to rehab, spend a year <laughs> learning how to walk. Like here's your prosthetic. Like yep. this was this was savaging. This was crippling. So like yeah, I think that. I think that a little bit of land destruction can go a long way in the right pod. And like, if you're talking about cards like Cleansing Wildfire, like at its absolute worst, like at its at its middley, you're gonna murk a bounce land, and that's crazy value. Sure. At its mm-hmm. absolute worst, it just cycles. Like, yeah, right. I feel like there's no reason for for decks not to run Cleansing Wildfire like all the time. Uh, yeah. And stuff like Boomerang, Boomerang can hit enchanted lands. This will murk murk the the enchanted. Oh, like out of nowhere too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think I think that there's very powerful land disruption things you can be doing. I just I would I would caution you uh, making it your whole game plan. Liam is frantically typing into the show notes, uh, devilish smiley faces with with do it in all italics. Uh, so Liam wants you to know that you should go all in on land destruction. <laughs> uh, he he says that's. Play having this play experience is more important than having friends, and I respect that. Land disruption, <laughs> land disruption, and destruction is magic in its purest form. Don't you think? <laughs> you know, this it's is... not wrong there. I mean, that it is one of the OG like strategies. I mean, gentlemen, 
Put Scaretail in your deck. This man is coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> or, or just run the indestructible bridges. It'll be fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually do. Like, yeah. My Parcel Beast deck wants to keep its Snowland count huge, massive. But I do run the bridge in it because I'm afraid of cleansing wildfire. Oh, nice. The anti-wildfire tech. Yeah. So, um, we're going to move away from battlefield disruption. Uh, I'm going to move, I'm going to start talking about graveyard disruption. Yes. Uh, this, we, we've, we've done entire episodes about how valuable the graveyard is. Uh, this was, this was our four by four with Scarecrow. So it's a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Halloween episode. Halloween. Happy Halloween. Um, that's right. Yeah. The graveyard in PDH often becomes this tremendous resource for a lot of different players because uh, a lot of this comes back to our card advantage episode where we said you can use the graveyard for value here. Um, Mm -hmm. Lots of people are going to do this. If you can take that away from them, that's disruption. You can, like if someone is targeting their graveyard spell with, you know, an Archaeomancer or uh, an Ome of the Dead or a Blood Fountain, uh, if you can just take that out of their graveyard in response, you are denying them resources, you're denying them value. You know, because like you said earlier, when you were going over some of the discard spells, yada, 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 they're discarding those spells into the graveyard. Mm-hmm. You know, and if they've, if they've got something in their hand that says flashback or, you know, whatever. Un- unearth, escape. What, unearth, Jump escape. Start. Yeah. What, what do you think they're going to, what do you think they're going to discard? I think it's that one. Yeah. Right. So uh, just be wary of what they're discarding. Just because just they get, you make yeah. them get rid of a card out of their hand does not mean that, that you have the advantage. Right. Uh, but if you if you make them discard it and then you exile it from the graveyard, yeah, that is absolutely advantage. The one thing that I want to caution people about here is that you have to be really careful about timing things. If someone has priority during their main phase and they say, "I I cast Firebolt from my graveyard for its flashback cost." Mm-hmm. You cannot respond by exiling Firebolt from their yeah, graveyard. It's already out of the grave. It's, yep. it's already gone. At, by the time they have announced the the spell, they have they have moved it onto the stack. They have chosen its targets. They have paid its costs. Once it's once it's there, and like it's by the time you get priority, it is on the stack. It is not in the. Yeah. There's nothing in the graveyard for you to exile. So yep. like if you think someone is going to Firebolt from their graveyard, you have to merc that before they have priority yep so you have to be really careful about the timing like you know if you're if it's just an archaeomancer or an ome of the dead or blood fountain whatever you can you can always respond to those abilities because those abilities are going to target the graveyard thing and then you can deal with it then or you can even like you know if someone has like the undying evil effect undying malice they're going to send something to the graveyard Mm -hmm. and then it's going to come back like that's all that crap Mm -hmm. that's a trigger you can respond to that. There's a trigger on the stack that's going to try to move that from the graveyard to the battlefield. You can respond to that right. trigger by exiling it instead. But if someone is casting a spell, then there's nothing you can do. Like the, the same is true of like Encore. If someone activates an Encore ability, part of the cost of that activation is exiling the creature from the graveyard. So th- there's nothing left for you to exile to try and stop that. Right. It's the abilities on the stack already. The thing is going to get encored. Yeah, yeah. It's it's 
it's similar to like so many other things we have where like oh i'm gonna bolt your bird well i'm gonna tap the bird first right that sort of thing you can't blow up your bonders ornament well i'm gonna get a mana from it before you do that yeah like some some of the graveyard interactions you can stop by responding to some of them you cannot stop in response you have to like proactively preempt it and and exile it before they can do a thing so be careful well that's why like honored heirloom has become such a good card and you know since it got printed really heirloom is because so many of our graveyard combo shenanigans are you know etb or triggered abilities yeah and then you get priority and you're like eh but that card doesn't exist anymore how can you target it you know (laughs) that this is a rock and a disruption piece is absurd Yeah. yeah yeah it really is yeah the last piece of disruption I want to talk about is uh, how you can disrupt things happening on the stack. Probably all of you just thought of Arcane Denial and Counterspell, because those are Probably. The, those are the big ones. Uh, Blue does a lot of this, but I also want to focus in on how uh, there's a lot of cards that effectively counter spells without saying the word counterspell on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of cards that say a creature gains hexproof or a creature gains shroud or a creature can't be the target or a creature gains protection. All of these things are very capable counter spells. And they, yeah, it's similar to, uh, what is it? Confound the, the blue yeah. counter spell that says counter target spell that targets a creature you control. I mean, that's pretty much Con- blacksmith's skill. Confi- <laughs> you know? Keep, keep safe. Will counter Keep a spell safe. that targets mm-hmm. a creature you control. Confound will target a spell that targets any creature. Mm, you, can, okay. you can confound your opponents freed from the real, oh. or their your opponents ghostly flicker. Confound is a is a powerhouse of a counter spell, and then it yeah, draws I you a it. card. Yeah, like the honestly the best part about confound is that when you cast it, you get to yell confound it like an angry <laughs> villain. Like that's that's peak magic uh that is peak magic and you draw a card and you draw a card but yeah like there's the ability to counter a very specific subset of spells like things that target your stuff that exists in a lot more colors than blue so we need to we need to expand our view of disruption to include the you know all the white protection spells and all the green protection spells which we will hear about in a little bit yeah just a little bit yeah Oh, thanks, Dave. That was a nice little rundown you gave us there. Oh, I thank you. I thought about it for really hard for like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, well, that kind of that told us uh, what is disruption and where you can find it. I think uh, the next little topic is going to be uh, what is not disruption. What do you got for us, Liam? Yeah, uh, so... Things that aren't going to be disruption are going to be things that might seem like you're interrupting what your opponents are doing, but realistically, you're just playing the game of magic, right? It's a good yeah, way to put the, it. What is the goal of the game, Brad? To win? Yeah. You know, the, you know as, as much as we might want to say, you know, have to have fun, right? When you sit down for a game of Magic, the, the, the end goal that everyone has at the table, whether it's 1v1 or multiplayer, is to win the game, right? Uh, at, yep. at, some, at some fundamental level, everyone is playing to win. Now, you know, right. all of us at, at different metrics, right? Some people are 100% there to, to you know, die hard, win the game, don't care if they have fun or not. Others are there to have as much fun as possible and couldn't care less if they win. Mm-hmm. But at some 
point where all they had to win the game. So it's, yeah, the game's got to end at some point. E- exactly, yep. the game's got to end. So that you you cannot conflate acts of the game that progress it forward with things that actively disrupt what your opponents are doing. So the first thing on that list is going to be evasive creatures. Things that fly, things that have trample, honestly, things that have hexproof or shroud or wood, things that have intimidate or say can't be blocked. These creatures, you know, you you play them as part of your strategy. Right? I, ideally, these creatures are playing some form of role in your deck, and you're playing them to progress the game state. They are very difficult for your opponents to interact with, whether they're difficult to block, they're difficult to to target with a spell, uh, or just in general, right? These creatures are going to be difficult. They are not disruption, right? Because Just because they made your opponents change the way they were thinking or, or change the potential target for their removal spell does not make the creature itself disruption. Does that make sense? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, I am on board. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Next, declaring attackers or declaring blockers is not disruption. No. <laughs> Some, sometimes my attackers kill my opponent's trump blockers. Well, Isn't that removal? Sometimes. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get there, but let's, okay. let's generalize this a little bit. Okay. Brad, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on you again. Yes. What is the number one way for someone to win a game of Magic? I'm going to go with uh, what is combat. Yeah, what is what is combat, right? Why why combat? I feel personally, I feel like it's the most direct route to get from twenty or thirty or forty down to zero. Exactly, right? Combat damage is going to be the most direct route to lower your opponent's life total to zero. So to do that, we must declare attackers, and declaring attackers to lower your opponent's life is not disruption, because as long as they have one life, they're still in the game. Again, yeah. what they choose to do based on their own life total is their own prerogative. You're not actively disrupting their game plan, right? Some people recognize this and, and have the, the mantra, as long as I've got one life, I'm still in the game, and they don't sweat it. And then there are other people who are like, oh my gosh, I have 29 life, not 30, I'm losing. <laughs> you attacked me. And, and those people see it as disruption, and, you know, honestly, it's not. You're still in the game. You can still cast spells. It, it, it's, it's not disruption. And then declaring blockers into someone else's attackers of saying, well, oh, I stopped the combat step. It's like, well, did you really? Because they just removed your creature. Right. To Dave's point, right? Chump blocking or trade blocking or, or even honestly bounce blocking where the two creatures bounce off each other. None of this is really disruption because you are just preventing your life total from going down yeah you're just the, those are incremental edges that you're trying to get yeah that's these, not a exactly yeah. it, you, I, I, I literally could not have just phrased it better these these are incremental advantages and disadvantages that happen throughout the course of a natural game right these are natural game actions being taken and you might be like well casting a removal spell is a natural game action you're right but the removal spell specifically targets something that can't be there anymore a counter spell is specifically stopping something from happening the attackers Mm -hmm. and the blockers are the most fundamental form of the game being played and therefore by that definition they can't also be disruption 
Otherwise, the natural form of a game of Magic is we shuffle up and draw seven cards, and each turn we just draw a card and pass until one of us loses. Is that the most basic form of a Magic game? <laughs> I would argue no. There has to be lands played, there has to be cards played, there has to be attackers and blockers declared. Yeah, and the way I kind of think about it too is... I'm sitting across the table from from you and Dave or whatever, and you know Dave drops down a two two or a three three, and I'm like, okay, he's got a creature, no big deal. And then Liam drops down the same size creature, but with trample and death touch. Now I have a problem. Now that's going to mess up what I'm trying to do with my game. Yeah, and so. to put it even further, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance to all of the attackers and blockers and creatures, right? Because what if you had a creature that had some kind of attack or dice trigger of it gets to bolt something, or you just get to remove a non-black creature, or it dies and you get to, or, or, you know, you can sacrifice and counter a spell, right? Like, mm -hmm. these things exist. Those border a little bit closer to disruption, depending on effect and, and the method in which they, they can trigger. But even still, a lot of them, I would still just considered to be kind of an advanced form of evasion sure but you know that that really it I, you can't generalize those creatures as well because they they get super specific and you you can't make a generalized category out of a bunch of specific cards yeah things like you know elvish doomsayer when it dies each opponent discards a card yes like you're putting that in your deck because of that line of text you're yeah. not just like oh it's a black elf i mean i guess you could play a deck that's you know mono black elves i know dave likes that but you're probably putting that in your <laughs> deck because because it's a disruption spell on a body it gets you a blocker gets you a chump blocker you know right. if you're a late game deck that sort of thing the, yeah i'm the, putting that in my shiray deck where my intention is to kill it and resurrect it as many times as possible the, that's exactly. disruption so, the, yep. the discard that ruins people's hands that's disruption the block that saves you three damage? Mm. That's just the game, bro. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, Meh. Continuing on. Uh, active treason effects, where you steal an opponent's creature and then smack them in the face with it and they get it back at the end of turn. That's not disruption. You no, just borrowed an attacker. Not. That's all it is. Uh, now, when you pair those effects with a sack outlet and you smack them in the face with their own creature and then kill the creature, that is disruption. Not because you smacked your opponent in the face with their own creature, but because you killed their creature, right? The, yep. the act of treasoning was just icing on the cake of a, of a removal spell. Yeah, that's kind of how I look at those theft effects, is they are very cool removal spells. You get to use their creature, you can sacrifice it to your carrion feeder or whatever, or your village rights, what have you, And but ultimately what you did was remove their creature you disrupted their game plan yeah lava axe effects where you're dealing damage but you're dealing it directly to the opponent's face again have to kind of kind of lumping that in with attacking is that's it's not disruption because as long as your opponent has one or more life they're in the game it you can lower their life total as much as you want and and yes you you know the the primary method of of ending a game of magic is going to be lowering a life total to zero mm -hmm. but this isn't disruption this is a game plan we call this burn right like this is just right. part of playing the game moving on in a similar vein but but quite literally the opposite is life gain right this is this can be likened to blocking gaining life back that you've previously lost is not disruption right 
it's right. countering to a strategy in particular again using burn here your life gain is a hard counter to burn strategies right burn strategies often have enough gas to get them across the the, the starting line but really not anything past that right it, uh, if a burn deck walks into the the room expecting to run a 30 meter race and all of a sudden you know they start the race they're ahead they're ahead now it's a 40 meter race now it's a 50 meter race so <laughs> the like race keeps getting longer <laughs> yeah like 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 the bone players run in a 40 50 meter race but the control players still running a 30 meter they're like you know what the heck like this is yeah. literally moving the goalposts literally yeah, moving as he's the running posts. like he can see the goalposts they just don't they don't get any closer yeah and <laughs> and so this is like in the blocking right like you're just you're protecting your life total which is a function of magic mm-hmm. right milling right we talked about uh if if lowering your opponent's life totals to zero isn't the main function of magic, then what's the other one that's baked into the rules? Drawing from an empty library. Yep. Your opponents are going to be drawing cards. They're either going to be drawing one a ton, or they're going to be drawing five a ton, because they have all these card draw effects, and Candlekeep Sage is broken, right? <laughs> yeah. They're going to be milling themselves, <laughs> basically, by drawing cards and playing them, right? Spells go to the graveyard after they've been cast. Unless they become a permanent, in which case we don't talk about that. But right. drawing a bunch of cards is also effectively milling, because milling really is just... See, and this is this is part of where I have problems with mill becoming a keyword, is a lot of people uh, uh, see mill as going from the, the deck to the graveyard, which is how it was keyworded. But really, mill to me is cards leaving the deck. Yeah, I don't care where they go. Exile, graveyard, hand, stack, yep. d- d- literally do not care, right? Manifested onto the battlefield. If they leave the deck, I am being milled. Because that is still getting down I'm getting closer close, to zero. I'm getting closer to zero, right? Yep. So mill is not disruption. It is a function of the game. And functions of the game, by definition, cannot be disruption because they just happen. Magic is a game where we naturally push and pull back and forth. We lose and gain life. We draw cards, we shuffle things back into the library. These things can't also be disruption when we just use them against our opponents. We lower their life a little faster. We, you know, make them draw extra cards or, or mill cards off the top of their library. Like, these these things, we're just... We're helping them along with basic game functions. Mm-hmm. They can't be disruption. The, the thing that I want to add specifically about mill is that it's... A lot of times, mill is almost anti-disruption. Like if you Honestly. if you if you mill someone's deep analysis, you are giving them resources. You're not preventing yeah. them from doing anything. <laughs> you kind of help not... them depending on what they're trying to do. Right. Like I, I I've I've seen people sort of make this like fundamental evaluation mistake a lot. If, if they're not, I, I shouldn't say people. I've see I see beginners sort of make this a lot. When you say mill four cards, they think, oh no. I just lost my next four draws. Yeah. And you did, like, yeah. they're still going to draw the next card. Like, you haven't impacted the number of cards they have access to at all. Like, they still have their entire hand. They're still going to draw on their draw step. If they cast a divination, they're still going to get two two more cards. Like, they still have exactly as many cards. Like, those four that they didn't draw, like, if those four were on the bottom of the deck instead, like they're still drawing from a randomized library, like nothing meaningful has changed unless you mill them so hard that they run out of cards 
which is unlikely unless you're really, really dedicated so to that So hard strategy. to do, right. Or, like, if, if it's not a randomized deck, if someone has put a very specific card on top of the library with Mystic Sanctuary, then Mill is great. Like, that's disruption. Fine. Sure. Mm-hmm. Usually, yeah, that is for sure disruption. Like you've talked about that example before. Like your opponent, yeah. Mystic Sanctuary, to put their combo piece on top, and you're like, Ruin Crab, Landfall. <laughs> right. Sorry. Yeah. In <laughs> like, response, I the... crack Terramorphic Expanse. Yeah. Like, that is the uh, epitome of disruption. So dumb. Um, yeah, that that can be disruption. Usually, it's not. Usually, you're gonna say, Usually, Hey, Mill yeah. Three, and they're gonna say, Oh, cool, my first Sphere Gargantua. I'll unearth yeah. it and draw a card. And you're like, What have I done? <laughs> Like, <laughs> you're just helping them more than you're hurting yeah. them. So yeah. uh, you got to be really careful with Mill. You do. It could definitely be psychological warfare, but you have to be careful with it. Yeah. And finally, uh, last but not least, for me at least, what I mentioned earlier, but I want to mention again, when you cascade specifically into a Howling Golem, specifically in a competitive tournament, your opponents will all simultaneously kind of sit back in their seat and say, huh, that's a cud. <laughs> not because they didn't know Howling Golem existed, but because that's 100% not what they were expecting after the previous turn and double cascading you hit an Eldrazi Devastate on Ulamog's Crusher. They just were not expecting the Howling Golem. Yep. They, that's when you're just like, don't you worry about what I'm doing. They, they should expect the Howling Golem. No one, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition, but they ought to. Yeah, but they oughta. Yeah, no, it it uh it it was it was brutal. That deck just did not let up. <laughs> it was it was off to the races. Um, Amazing. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you uh, you saw some success with it. That's, that's yeah, really cool. I, I saw a little bit of success, and it was it was golden when it worked. Yeah, that's awesome. But is there anything that you two want to add about uh, things that are not disruption? Uh, no, I think that that pretty well covers there's... it because it's. Go ahead, Dave. You, you probably actually have something. There is one other thing that I like. A little piece of me wants to talk about, and I'm not sure. So it's a it's a thing. This thing does not exist in PDH. There's an effect that has only ever been printed at uncommon and above, and it's milling adjacent, but it's milling where you get to specifically choose which cards you're pulling out of your opponent's library. Uh, this is stuff like. I mean, like surgical extraction. Surgical extraction. Okay. Memoricide, Jester's Cap, Lobotomy. Why would you play uh, such horrendous cards? I, a million years ago, I had a 60-card deck that was just all of that stuff, like Counterbore, like Lobotomy, wow. uh, Eviscerate I ran. If that wasn't enough, you sideboarded in land destruction. <laughs> Screw it. <laughs> the deck was actually terrible. It took so long to get off the ground, and like, I, it, I mean, it won maybe one game out of every five. But like, yeah, it was an interesting way to approach the deck building problem, where like, if you sometimes I would square up against a deck that had exactly one win condition, and I would just extract it from the deck. And like mm -hmm, fair. that's different from milling. If you're milling random cards off the top, whatever, you're not you're accomplishing nothing. If you mm -hmm. are exiling very specific cards from their deck, that can be disruptive. It's not a thing that'll ever happen in PDH. We do not have this effect in our rarities at all. Right. But it's a it's a thing worth mentioning, I think. Sure. I think so too. Yeah. And then we sort of have here two things that are not disruption. The and I'm surprised it hasn't been keyworded yet, but the it's almost always red, 
and it's almost always a sorcery that target creature or X number of creatures cannot block this turn. I think the one we have here in the show notes is Coronation of Chaos that uh, three target creatures cannot block this turn and then you goad them. You know, you originally had um, Nightbird clutches in here <laughs> and there's things like a Seismic Stomp. And I mean, there it's it's pretty much like in every limited environment nowadays and it has been for a while. So I think those just sort of go along with combat in my eyes. Like they're not necessarily disruption. It's like, okay... I'm going to, it's turn five and I'm going to, I was going to attack you, but you have four blockers and I can't kill you until turn eight when I draw my burn spells. I don't know. Well, now because I have Nightbird's clutches and now I can kill you now. Because these like, effects yeah. are now removing game actions that you're able to take. Attacking and blocking is a, is a fundamental rule of the game, which is why we, we're not considering them disruption. But if, if you have an effect that states your opponent cannot block removing that option from their arsenal to me seems like disruption. Uh, so to me, the thing for me, it comes down to things like duration. I think like for me, duration means or disruption needs to be like in, to a certain extent prolonged. Like you need to like set someone back a turn or like remove like, take resources away from them sort of like permanently so it's like before you get too far into examples countering us countering a spell or removing a permanent that someone just cast that that used all their mana is going to set them back a ton mm-hmm. if they have 20 life and you can't get in for any kind of good attack so you remove their ability to block and then hit them for like 10 15 you don't think that's going to set them back a ton ah uh. I, I think, I think that, that would set them back a ton. I think if you used a card like Coronation of Chaos to get like one or two creatures through, that's absolutely, you're not doing anything. But if you're using Coronation of Chaos at a critical point to remove a player or at least, you know, send their life total into a critical balance, because like I, it or not, there, you know, there is a point we all draw the line at, at a critical balance of life. I feel like that would be considered disruption. Certainly we can cleverly craft hypotheticals that make it feel like <laughs> disruption i i think that if we're gonna be that sort of broad about it then we would also have to include something like lava axe because like right like we could we could just as easily craft a thing where we say you know i have i have two grizzly bears and they have a hill giant and they're at six life so like they have to if if i attacked it wouldn't do any good but if I lava axe them down to one, and then I attack with my two grizzly bears, like uh, uh we've we've got them. Like, uh, sure, that doesn't feel very disruption-ish. It feels like. But taking taking away the choice of blocking feels like disruption. Taking away the choice doesn't feel disruptive to me. I feel like taking away resources is what I want to. That for me personally, I'm going to draw the line at taking away resources. And maybe the thing is, too, like if you coronation of chaos or you nightbirds clutches or whatever and you don't kill them that turn, did you really disrupt anything? But we also look looking outside the PDH sphere in particular, when when you look at things like stacks, we consider mm-hmm. things like propaganda and ghostly prison to be stacks pieces. And those take away the option to attack without uh... costing resources. So would would. Removing the option to block not also be considered something like that? 
Yeah, I'm I'm not sure where I put propaganda on on the disruption plan uh, on the disruption scale. It certainly feels mildly disruptive because on on some level it feels like it's it's very persistent. It's going to repeatedly every turn like forever either stop combat or take resources. Right, or take res it's yeah, it's going to limit the amount of resources that they have to work with. Taking okay. away their resources. I think that coordination of chaos doesn't. It's not prolonged, and I think it doesn't take away anyone's resources. Well, coordination it of just, chaos also forces certain attacks with goad. Cosmotronic sure. wave and barrage of boulders could remove things like dorks. Yeah, I mean those those are I think more disruptive. I think the listeners should tell us what they think about this particular topic. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's Hit us up on that. Twitter, Discord, wherever you find us. Yeah, see what see what you think that. Yeah, if all this is or is not disruption the various phases of combat and things that can go right or wrong with them. I think I really had anything else to add. Uh, that was a good little breakdown about Mill, Dave. I appreciated that. My pleasure. But yeah, I think uh, Liam pretty well covered things that are not disruption for the most part. All right, what do we got next here? Ooh, we got disruption in the command zone, question mark. Disruption in the command zone is something you can definitely do. Some very popular commanders have the ability to disrupt your opponent's I don't find myself playing these types of decks a lot, but there are some, like I said, some very popular ones. Uh, Dave's got a signature deck that revolves around disruption in the command zone. But, you know, you can do things like um, Basilica Bell Haunt, which is an Orzhov creature that when it ETBs, each opponent discards a card. You can do Siren of the Silent Song, which I actually discovered when I was doing search for uh, this episode. It is a Demir creature that it has inspired. Uh, when it when it becomes untapped, each opponent discards a card and then mills the top card of their library. That card is gross so, with Freed from the Real. Oh God, I didn't even think about that. Like like I said, this was the first time I even like I, I feel like I've even looked up inspired commanders and somehow I always glazed over this one. So, but yeah, I can see how that would be totally gross. Uh, we'll do two pals ones sort of back to back here. One that we have to give a shout out for absolutely. This is like a very chaotic one. It's Noggle Ransacker. I know not a ton of people. Not a ton of people have played with it or played against it because it's, it's too, too powerful. It is. It's too powerful. It's out of control. Powerful. S, -S -tier, it's basically zero, S tier zero. S plus. Sure. S plus. You look at it and you go like, I don't want to do that to my friends. That's just rude. And you you put it away. But you do it anyway. I mean, if you're know. stiff. Yeah, yeah, if you're Sniff. Or Wales. Wales does it, too. Wales does it, too. But, yeah, it's basically, it's it's too generic and a hybrid is it mana for a 2-1 Noggle Rogue, which is an awesome, awesome character creature type. When Noggle Ransacker enters the battlefield, each player draws two cards and then discards a card at random. It just gets nutty. That can, that can take away combo pieces. I mean, I don't know what, what, you, what else you have to say on Noggle, Dave, but I've played against it, and it's, so, it's crazy. Like, ugh. yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. Go ahead. It it definitely has the potential to take away resources. Uh, I think if if burning inquiry even your own is <laughs> disruption, then Noggle must be. But now I'm thinking if burning inquiry is disruption, then maybe coronation is as well. I don't know. I need to think about this more. I'm this is getting, getting murky. murky here. But I uh, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna eagerly await what the listeners tell me is correct. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's the right move. So yeah, Ransacker is wild. You should play it. It's super fun if you like literally chaos in your pod. It's a good time. 
Uh, the next one I have not played, but I've played against it, and it surprisingly did a lot of work. Like, uh, I believe it was Lobert that played this. Uh, it's Sunder Shaman is the commander. He played it a few months ago, and I was, he was like, oh, I think I got the list from the pals. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, oh, okay, seems fine. I mean, it's a 5-5 five, five gruel commander for four. You know, it's pretty much what you expect. But, like, it can't be blocked by more than one creature. And you're like, okay, well, probably going to take some damage. But then its second line of text is whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you can destroy a target artifact or enchantment that player controls. Like, that just gets ridiculous. Like, there are ways in red to give it double strike. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're just going to wipe somebody's board. Like, <laughs> like forget about it. It's Not only is it a beatdown, absolute beatdown, because it's 5 power, potentially 10 power or whatever combat tricks you have, but you're also losing... Like you said, you're also losing resources in in the uh, process. Brad, are you familiar with a card called Runes of the Deus? It's the you know the the cycle of like divinity weapons from Shadowmoor. Oh yeah, yeah the yeah, red yeah. green yep. one. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's in my it's in my uh, Sphinx deck actually. Yep. Five mana for if if the creature is red, both red and green, it gets plus two plus two trample and double strike. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah, I don't know if you ever wanted to hit someone for 14 commander damage while also destroying two of their mana rocks, but uh, that's, that's like, what you're that into. That curves into itself. It curves into what? itself. Yeah, it... I was playing I was playing a Voltron deck once against my buddy Flo, classic side part on the on the Discord if you want to give him a shout out. He's he's very fun. And he goes he cool. he, he ramped into the Sunder Shaman on turn 3. It only costs oh. four mana, and then right. turn five, he he went first. So I had just finished turn four. I think I spent my turn four casting an Urgalm's Eye and like a Bone Splitter or whatever. And turn his Naturally. his turn five is Runes of the Deus. I kill them both, and I go, good game. Oh <laughs> like, <God. let's>, <laughs> yeah, you have let's to go at to that game point. two and hope you don't have runes. <laughs> like, and like I. It didn't even occur to me. Like, I knew the card. I read it. I saw it on Spell Table. And, like, it didn't occur to me until he hit me for the first time and was like, oh, uh, yeah, I guess blow up your signet. I was like, oh, my God. This game is over. (laughs) By what? Yeah, Yeah, right? Sunder Shaman does work. That is the gruel flavor of disruption. Uh, Another one here is Sedat... Sidraxis Spectre, if I can talk. Uh, it's a Grixis commander that makes players discard cards and has an unearth ability in flying, so it has a little bit of evasion. Uh, like we said earlier, evasive creatures are not disruption, but if it's tied to a discard spell, I don't see why not. And then, I don't know if I would do this justice. Dave, do you want to tell us why Marsh Crocodile is disruption? This is your deck, by the way. I, I would love to tell you about Marsh Crocodile. Uh, Marsh Crocodile is a 4-mana Demir-flavored 4-4. Four, four. It has two enter the battlefield abilities. Uh, it's going to ETB and it is going to bounce one of your own creatures back to your hand. So when it enters, you have to take a blue or black creature and return it to your to your hand. Yes. Uh, it is also going to say each player discards a card. This is my now. See, I kind of mean to interrupt you, but not rudely. The the way it reads, like to a new player maybe or to someone that hasn't played this type of deck, like the first line of text reads as you're disrupting yourself. Right. But when you're you, really not. <laughs> when you first glance at this card, it, it feels like it's two downsides. Yes. It feels like you are... The the price you pay for a 4-mana four 4-4, four, four, which, I mean, what this card was printed in, like, 2000. 4-mana four 4-4 four, four was mm-hmm. above rate for the time, especially in Demir colors. And it feels like the price you're paying for it is you lose one of your creatures, and you have to discard a card. Right. Secretly, both of those things are outstanding. Because the... 
the creature you bounce to your hand is going to be a burglar rat or a dusk legion zealot or yep. a thalicos seer or a liliana specter like you're going to get additional value by being able to recast your etb creature that bounced mm -hmm. and you're going to discard a madness or flashback effect which is not going to damage you at all right. and everyone else has to discard a card sure the disruption embedded in this card <laughs> is just pervasive and endless because uh, like you know next turn you're gonna recast burglar rats everyone discard you attack with the crocodile no one blocks you bounce the crocodile back to your hand with a ninja you get the ninja <laughs> effect you recast the crocodile bounce the burglar rat recast burglar rat like it does not cease to transpire it just goes no, and goes and goes never stopping yeah um so that deck has the potential to get crazy it's super fun for me to play sometimes I've I've gotten into online arguments with some folks about whether or not Ashiok's Adept is a better hand disruption commander. Mm -hmm. The argument for Ashiok's Adept is that it is much more focused on hand disruption. Like Marsh Crocodile kind of does the hand disruption incidentally slowly. It it accumulates, but it's not super focused on it. Like it's you know it's running the Burglar Rats, it's running the Marsh Croc. If you Rats Croc Rats then everyone has discarded three and that's that's good that's a that's a healthy chunk of damage you've done to people's resources yeah uh, and it's Ash funny too like the marsh crocodile like you said reads as double downside and ashiok's adept reads as nothing but upside but it's really the flip on both of them i, I think so <laughs> ashiok's adept is a heroic commander that every time it becomes the target of something each opponent discards a card yeah. so i i will concede that the adept is much more efficient at emptying everyone else's hands faster mm -hmm. but then it doesn't close games and in a deck that empties everyone else's hands immediately you have to be able to close games really fast because you've just pissed off everyone like they are coming to beat you to death it is 3v1 city now and like right. the adept does not have the resources to finish three three opponents at once so uh, is it more efficient at making people discard? Probably. Is it a better discard deck? I strongly disagree. I seriously doubt it. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you for that little rundown of Marsh Croc. My pleasure. Uh, yeah, we have a few other options. I mean, we have a ton of options, but we wanted to list a few on the podcast, sort of give a, a little flavor of each color, how each color does it. Uh, another popular one that we got recently was Lagrella, an um, ETB commander that uh, we could do episodes on, on Lagrella. Like, it's very complex, but just know that you can, you can bounce stuff, you can hide stuff away until you need it again. You can exile your, your opponent's creatures, and it just gets nutty after that. I have not built the deck because I don't, I'm kind of afraid to run it. Like I know I would mess it up with all the triggers and all the uh, the stack interaction, but just know that that exists. Lozan's another one from Baldur's Gate. You basically just burn people out of the game. You can kill their creatures. You can burn their face. All that sort of stuff. Every, and every then, dragon is a burn spell. Every dragon is a burn spell. So not only are you impacting the board, which for the most part, you know, dragons are probably going to be bigger or stronger than what your opponents have on board so not only are you probably disrupting their uh board just right there like you you may have taken their combat step away from them you've like you said you also turn those dragons into burn spells 
and I've seen your Lozan deck in action, and it does exactly that. Yeah, like, here's a dragon, and here's seven damage. Here's right? a dragon, like, and here's five damage. <laughs> so many of the dragons just have cost like five or six. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, being able to just awesome. put five or six damage wherever you want. It's kind of nutty. Yep. Yeah, it really is. Any any target that's not a commander. Uh, and then another silly one, I know that it's not super silly, but you've talked about playing this one before. You have a deck built for it as Deep Fire Elemental, the 4-4 uh, Rakdos Elemental that's basically a Mox Monkey. Like, you can just sort of blow up artifacts with it. For XX1, you can just start blowing up the field, whatever you feel is, is a threat or whatever you feel like blowing up. So here's what's wild about the Elemental. Mm -hmm. uh, it reads almost exactly like the monkey that blows up moxes. Right. Deep Fire Elemental is artifact or creature. Oh my god, I completely missed the or creature part. Yeah. I just <laughs> I, I saw the XX1 destroy target artifact and I was like, okay, I know yeah. what this does. <laughs> no, someone someone shows up with a token deck and you're like, rest in peace, literally all of your creatures. Yeah, right. Like One, a, boo. I, it's, it's very expensive. But yeah, it is six uh, mana. If you, can, four, but... if you can feed mana into him, he will go hard all day long. Yeah, all day long. And he doesn't tap, so you can destroy all <laughs> your opponent's creatures and then just attack with your 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, for however much mana you have, just start blowing stuff up. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That is absolutely the way Rakdos does resource denial. Thought really, really hard about putting Mere Land Shaper in the deck. Mm -hmm. I did not. But I thought about it. Thought about it. <laughs> Mirror Land Shaper is a one one that taps to to transform a land into an artifact land, mm -hmm. and then you can spend one mana to destroy it. That's to just mean. blow it up. It's super mean. That's why I didn't do it. But I thought that's about mean. it. Hey, that's something I would do. What? <laughs> <laughs> Leaves back on the land destruction plan. <laughs> I right, never so left. there's some so there's some examples of what you can put in the command zone that. Uh, will disrupt your opponent's plans, but there are plenty more. Just just uh, craft your scryfall searches accordingly, and you'll you will not be disappointed. So, I think we're gonna go through quickly here, sort of how each color of the pie does disruption. We don't have to go too deep down any rabbit holes or get into any, you know a bunch of specific cards or anything like that. But just know that each one, you know, when they're designing this game, they have an idea for how. They want each color to perform, to disrupt, to control, to aggro, to all that stuff. So, Dave, do you want to start start us off with some white? I am here to meet all of your white disruption needs. Uh, yes. I'm kind of going to go through, like, type of disruption by type of disruption. So, yep. uh, first thing I want to talk about, does white disrupt hands? It does not. It does not. Second thing I want to talk about, does white disrupt graveyards? It still does not. We're 0 for it does 2. Not. Yeah, right. uh, <laughs> white, white, I mean, you always have you always have the gay rock, honored heirloom. Yeah, sure. It's mm -hmm. everywhere. Pride, pride rock, I think they're calling it now. Pride rock. Uh, I can live with that. Yeah. Does white disrupt the battlefield? Yeah. Pretty mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Um, when it comes to artifacts and enchantments, white has had disenchant for decades before green ever got naturalized. Mm -hmm. uh, that's always been front and center in white's color pie it's murking artifacts and enchantments white also has a pretty robust suite of effects that will hit anything stuff like oblivion ring minimus containment vanish into eternity these are all really powerful really flexible removal spells white has dozens of pacifism effects like pacifisms and arrests one of yeah. them is tutorable 
which matters. Uh, Bound in Silence <laughs> has the type Rebel, so you can yeah. tutor it into play with something like Defiant Falcon. <laughs> um, Amazing. Something you should know about tutoring in aura directly into play from your deck. The part of auras that does the targeting bit, that is part of casting the spell. If you are not casting the aura spell, like say if it comes into play directly from a tutor or from mm -hmm. a flicker of fate being flickered, you skip the part where it target and you just attach it to something. Yeah. So if something mm -hmm. has hexproof, whatever, it's pacified now. Get wrecked. Yeah. Something has shroud. That sucks. It's still no pacified. Biggie. No biggie. So that's huge. And it segues very nicely into the last piece of disruption I want to talk about. Can white mess with the stack? If you're trying to stop a tutored bound in silence, no, you cannot. That it is sure happening. Cannot. <laughs> uh, well, I guess you could give it protection from white. Giving something ah, protection yeah. from white stops the bound in silence. Giving sure. it hexproof or shroud does nothing. Right. You get nothing. So uh, white I, does do a pretty good job of messing with the stack. Uh, it doesn't counter creature spells very well. It does like one. It's got a. It's got a lapse. It's got a mana type. If yeah. you're really desperate, you can you can put those in there. But you, maybe you yeah. should. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe not. What it does do a terrific job of is it can mess with removal spells and auras and other things. You can do a lot of protection. You can do some some hexproof. M mostly, you can do protection with the white cards. The one I want to mention specifically is Stave Off. So good. Uh, almost all of these white protection spells, things like Apostle's Blessing or Shelter or Emerge Unscathed, all mm -hmm. of these really powerful white protection spells will target a creature you control. Stave Off does not have that clause. Stave Off can target any creature and give it protection from a color. So... Uh, yeah. If your opponent is trying to put their Freed from the Real onto their Voyaging Seder, you can give their Voyaging Seder Pro Blue with Stave Off. And get wrecked. Get wrecked. Yeah, white white can also stop a lot of... It can blank a lot of removal by flickering things. Pretty good at mm -hmm. flickering. Yeah, that is, that is what I want to say about white. I'm going to pass things over to Liam. Tell us about some blue. There you go. Uh, yeah, so blue messes with the hand. Not at all, <laughs> right? Blue, blue, blue is not known for messing with the cards. I think it's in your what hand. sapphire charm. Is that the one that makes him discard? <laughs> Piracy charm. <laughs> Piracy charm. That's it. Yep. <laughs> but it's, it's an instant charms. speed, so that's kind of nice. Hit him in the yeah. draw step. Yeah. Uh, blue messes with the battlefield. Uh, it has bounce for days, yes. right? Uh, outside of your more control, uh, your, your more traditional control esque cards, uh, blue has a decent amount of disruption, uh, mostly found in the bounce spells. Uh, instant speed stuff includes stuff like vapor snag uh, or unsummon, uh, just to uh, hit a a lone blocker or an enchanted land, uh, which can be a huge amount of disruption. Uh, bouncing a land back to hand and getting rid of those auras getting rid of the only thing that's protecting their mm -hmm. life total. This can be good for uh, disruption. Uh, also, we have a bunch of our own versions of pacifisms uh, with frogify effects, right? Uh, a couple of enchantments as well that uh, tap stuff down, like fall from favor, but really uh, these auras, they're not as prevalent, but when they are used, they are yeah. powerful. 
blue messes with the graveyard in the same way that every color messes with the graveyard, really. Uh, it's going to be stuff like the Gay Rock and the uh, Relic of Progenitus, right? There's not a lot that blue really does here specifically. Yeah. Blue messes with the stack. This is all the time, forever, since the dawn of time till the end of time. It doesn't stop. Counter spells are good. Uh, in particular, you should be playing as many Essence Scatters as you possibly can. <laughs> Don't play Negate. That card is awful. <laughs> right? Creatures are what low... Creatures are what lower your life totals. Essence Scatters what yeah, you, you need to be counter playing. those uh, Howling Golems. Gotta counter those Llanowar Elves. What are you talking about? <laughs> Spend your two-mana counter spell on that That's one right. That is efficiency. Do it. That is peak efficiency. <laughs> actually, small, actually, even small better, use your Essence Scatter on... My ornithopter. Oh, I love it. Small brain maneuver is both a bird. Big brain, essence scatter the elf. <laughs> essence scatter the elf. That's it right there. There it is. That's, That's a, a bumper bite. sticker. I think it's just scatter, scatter the elf. Oh, that sounds like a metal band. <laughs> All right, I'll see myself out. What do you got for What do you got for black brain? All right, black is. I, I think this whole episode was pretty much about how black is just the best at being disruptive. It is. is it is the best route of disruption. And its best option is typically hand destruction. Hand, yeah, hand destruction. I was getting disruption and destruction mixed up. So black is obviously the best at hand destruction, and it always has been, from like Liam said, the dawn of time until the forever of history. When when counter spells are still out there floating around, the game's long dead. Black will still be out there trying to blow up your hand. So everything we talked about above covers it. There's also you are looking to play things that will absolutely traditionally disrupt your opponent things like calico skin witch creatures that etb and make everyone discard uh, like dave mentioned earlier targeted discard is decent it can come in handy especially if you have some sort of flicker package but it's really the creatures that hit everybody or every opponent is really sort of black's wheelhouse in in pdh so you want to look for those and while you know black works really well at disruption when it's mixed with other colors you know this isn't exactly mono black but blightning is one of my favorite cards of like all time but it's really bad in multiplayer settings so i went out and found a substitute and that is skullrend it's basically a five mana version a grown-up version of blightning and it's basically deals it deals two damage to each opponent and then those players each discard two cards at random i love skull i absolutely love this card i don't know that i've ever been able to successfully cast it because it's either been I, funny enough, the last time I had it in my hand, I had to discard it to a mass to a siphon oh, mind, no. I believe. Yeah, and while we're on that topic, actually, siphon mind is probably Black's best disruption spell in the whole format. I would say question mark. Yeah, there, there's got to be there's got to be a special place for cards that get the spotlight in our disruption episode after they already got the spotlight in our card advantage episode like <laughs> right <laughs> if you're the all-star in two different categories right. you're just good like, <laughs> that's a it's a it's a powerful resume for best disruption card in the format I, i'm uh yeah you yeah i'm ready to i'm ready to support this plan okay sounds good to me uh and then you know we mentioned marsh crock earlier but black you know black obviously pairs really well with blue so cards like Din Rova Horror, which is sort of Marsh Croc, but just like tamed down, you know, at ETBs, you bounce something, bounce a permanent back to a player's hand, and then they discard a card. Like that was 60 card Tron, Popper Tron's win condition for like 
years because <laughs> it's just that good. He's a big um, guy. I have not. Pl- it is. It is huge. It is huge. Um, I don't know how well it would do necessarily in PDH unless you're specifically building a infinite flicker combo to you know. And this is just one of the pieces that that could show up to help you win that game. But it is good. It's an option that's out there. Black thrives on the battlefield. You know, plagues don't survive if there's not creatures to feed on. You know, uh, murder is great. Cast downs are great. You know, all these things that just targeted removal are amazing. Um, Black can sometimes get rid of enchantments and it's still not great, but at least we have that option now for forever, for decades. Literally, we didn't have that option. So we do now. We have like one and a half cards that get rid of enchantments in black. Sadly, black really does not destroy other people's, your opponent's artifacts, unless they're a creature by, you know, it just happened to be a creature. Um, You can sacrifice your own artifacts to different spells, but getting rid of opposing artifacts is a whole new problem for black that it has not been able to address yet. And then obviously we have the Pestilence, Crypt Rats, um, Arms of Hadar, Eyelight Massacre, all those things that just decimate the the battlefield. Because black doesn't really care. It, Pestilence kills every creature. Crypt Rats kills every creature. Black doesn't really care because it knows it can rebuild. It has the, the strength and the longevity to rebuild after it wipes its own board. Uh, and that's just what it does. Like, that's perfect disruption. Like, oh, okay, you know, you want to build a whole board against me? That's fine. Here's my Crypt Rats, and I just, you know, disrupted your entire game plan. You're like, your deck isn't meant to go into the super late game, but I'm taking us there, so, you know, you better deal with it. That's kind of what Black does. And then, obviously, we have Edicts. We get Edicts all the time. We have Innocent Blood, Chainer's Edict, Diabolic Edict, uh, Fleshbag Marauder, Slum Reaper, Chain Devil, all those good ones. They see play... Um, I would say the creature versions of the Edict C play more than the spell versions, but maybe that's just the pods I find myself in. Like, I, I don't know that the last time, when the last time was that I saw a Chainer's Edict or a Diabolic Edict cast in a game. It's almost always Chain Devil or um, Slum Reaper, one of those two that actually has a body attached to it. And then, you know, Black messes with the graveyards. It loves graveyards. It loves death. It loves bodies. It loves decay and grossness. So it loves graveyards. Uh, Fairy Macabre, like I mentioned earlier, Coffin Purge is another one that um, you can remove target card from a graveyard or from the game that's in any graveyard. And it flashbacks, flashes back for a, a single black. So that's good. We got Rotted Reunion, which are very, very good. Shredded mem- or Shred Memory is a card that I consistently forget about until someone until I'm talking about a deck list that I've made and someone's like, why isn't Shred Memory in here? And my answer is always because I forgot about it. Um, but it's another transmute card. It transmutes for three, and it's a two-casting cost card, so you can get just about anything that's in your deck for it. Uh, Bajuka Bog, like I mentioned earlier, Nihil Spellbomb, amazing cards, that sort of thing. So black can definitely get rid of all graveyards, one graveyard, uh, two cards out of a graveyard, one card out of a graveyard. It can. It's very flexible in what it wants to do to anyone's graveyard, to your graveyard, etc. And, you know, honestly, with this next card, I think black might be the best color to interact with on the stack. Forget blue, forget white. Black has dash hopes. Yes! The most powerful disruptor. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Ever. hold on. Wait, oh, hold wait. on. Yep. We said that lava axe wasn't disruption. 
I think we we have to we have to go edit that out because if we're oh. if we're gonna if we're gonna stand here and say that Dash Hopes is disruption, which it it is. I mean, it's it's basically the most powerful black spell. Yeah, get get wrecked, Siphon Mind. Dash Hopes is the real winner over here. Yeah, that's right. Get wrecked, Siphon we're gonna, Mind. We're going to have to edit out the part of the episode <laughs> where we say Lava Axe doesn't count. Because, like, this is just... I mean, it's basically just a two-mana Lava Axe. Like, It is. It could be. Yeah. It usually is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I'll trust the editor here. This will be fine. Okay. <laughs> oh. uh, so, yeah. Dash Hopes. Best card in black. Liam... Liam Liam has something he needs to add to this. No, um, but yeah, I don't think that I don't think I could end my section on black without talking about literally, probably, literally, probably the best black card in at printed at common in the PDH format. Dash hopes, and that's Oubliette. Oh, no, 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 permanent. How about that black? Okay, strongest right. permanent. All right, all right, all right. And that's Oubliette. Uh, you don't see it very often, but when you do, you wish you never saw it again. Yeah. That's- <laughs> terrible because it's just that good miserable yeah, it's terrible it's a m- miserable feeling but it's so good at what it does yeah yeah that oubliette's a, a fun card that's it is it that's all i got for black <laughs> i mean it's fun when i play is on it Commando, so, yeah. yeah it is Dave, give us some red cards okay we're gonna go through the list does red mess with the graveyards no not even a little bit <laughs> not even but that's okay because can red mess with hands? Yes, burning yeah. inquiry. A little the bit. End of list. <laughs> the end of the list. Can red mess with the stat? Yes, red elemental blast. End of list. <laughs> can red mess <laughs> with the battlefield? Uh yes, lightning bolt. End of no, that's true. We just more. We have okay. We have a couple I mean, more. Lightning end of list. lightning bolt's very good. lightning bolt's pretty good. Solid card. Uh, we have more, <laughs> but wait, there's more. We have oh, we there's have one. a couple a couple of the most powerful board wipes in the format are red. We have uh, fiery cannonade. It'll kill all your pirates that don't have two butt or or more than two butt. We have breath weapon. Will kill all of your non dragons that have more than less than two butt. Did I did I mm-hmm. get all of that backwards? I'm still trying to comprehend what you said about Cannonade. Uh, Cannonade kills lots of things. Breath Weapon kills lots of yes, things. It is. We'll go with that. There we go. Uh, I know how to words good. I have rehearsed this many times. <laughs> Lightning Bolt, obviously, one of the best spot removal spells in the game. Red has a couple interesting ways that it can like get creatures out of the way without doing direct damage to them like one of the one of the problems red has is sometimes you end up staring down like an ancient brontodon which is just casually yep. a nine nine and you're looking at your lightning bolt yep. like huh how about Be better what what's the lightning bolt gonna do to the nine nine <laughs> and then you then you draw and you draw sting scourger which will etb and bounce a creature or maybe you draw dead and gone which is a split card that can bounce a creature Maybe you draw Aftershock, which can just straight up destroy a creature. Or maybe yeah. you draw Coronation of Chaos and you, you yeet the Brontodon at someone else. Maybe Coronation <laughs> of Chaos is actually an outstanding disruption spell. I don't know. I'm just making this up as I, I go along. I don't know anymore. Right? Uh, we have some good options to deal with creatures. Uh, let's say there's an artifact 
that is giving you some grief. Can you deal with the artifact? Good news, you can deal with artifacts. We have dozens and dozens of ways to deal with artifacts. Artifacts will not be a problem. What if there's an enchantment that's giving you grief? Can you deal with the enchantment? You're wrecked at that point. Well, you should know crying, weeping openly into the table is a special action that does not use the stack. So you have that going for you. And sometimes it which works. Which is nice. Sometimes it works. Uh, if it doesn't, conceding the game, just scooping, taking your cards and leaving, also a special action, does not use the stack. Yeah, that's a free action. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that's how you deal with enchantments. You don't have to wait for priority. Yeah. You just do it. Yeah. No one can respond to like it. Like they can't, yeah, they can't target your creatures or your permanents or your face if it's not at the table anymore. No one can oobliate your creature if you're sitting alone in your living room not playing magic. If it's in your backpack. <laughs> it's so easy. If you've shut down spell table and canceled your stream and told Twitch you'd never want to come back to their website, they ain't going to get you with that oobliate. It's, that's, that's all it takes. Easy peasy. Effortless. Uh, effortless, even. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I got for red. All right, we got some green. What do you got, Liam? Yeah, green. Uh, does not disrupt the hand at all. That's not really a shock. The one thing green doesn't do is disrupt your is disrupt your opponent's hands. Mm -mm. Green disrupts the battlefield really well. Naturalizes everywhere. Mm -hmm. Fight spells everywhere else. Right. If 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 your artifacts and enchantments aren't being removed, your creatures are. Yep. And if your creatures aren't being removed in Fight Club, well. Your artifacts and enchantments never even got the chance. Green disrupts the graveyards a little bit uh, with cards like Return to Nature that are basically just naturalized with an extra mode in case naturalize isn't good, but naturalize is always good. Yeah, naturalize is generally uh, pretty good. Wait, is there... Green disrupts the... Oh, sorry. I just remembered that white has one of those. Something, something memories. It has reinforce. It's like a white return to nature that costs one more mana, or you can reinforce it for one mana to give a counter on something. Break ties. Yeah, yeah. That one kills. That one. That one can mark a graveyard card, right? Did I did I lie to our uh, listeners minutes ago when I said white doesn't here. mess with graveyards? Was I? Am I a lying liar? Break ties. Conveniently, my I can't get Scryfall to load. Yeah, me neither. You know what we can do though? We can peek over to Discord. And ask Scribe. Break ties Ooh. on gather. Destroy target artifact. Destroy target enchantment. Exile card from a graveyard. Yeah, okay. White has one Bingo. card that does that. Hey, look at that. All right, sorry, I interrupted you. Please carry on. You didn't. You didn't really lie to the to the yeah. listener. I mean, we're you really. You did it. We're me. still learning this game. It's fine. We're new. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Green disrupts the stack a little bit. Uh, we mentioned earlier the spells that say indestructible or hexproof stuff like that. Uh, you got Tamiya Safekeeping, Vines of Vastwood, Gaia's Gift, our Yargle Award from, yeah. last, from last year, mm -hmm. right? You got Avoid Vines, Fate. Yeah, Avoid Fate, yeah. Uh, Vines is like Stave Off. It can target opponent's creatures, right, giving them, I think, Hexproof, right? Uh, so the the weird thing about Vines is that if you, if you give your opponent's creature Hexproof, that means that they can target their own creature, but you cannot. If you give yes. your opponent's creature Vines of Vastwood, that means that you can target their creature, but they cannot. Yeah, it cannot be the target of spells or abilities your opponents control. So it's yep. it's if it if Vines gave hexproof, it would be much 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 worse. It is. That's true. You would never want to cast it on your opponent's Vines, creature. Then. Vines targeting That's your own point. creature is effectively hexproof. 
vines targeting an opponent's creature is very different. Yeah, like we don't gotcha. even have like a permanent spell that duplicates that effect, correct? Mm. Like, you know, the second text of Vines of Vastwood, but on a permanent, like an enchantment or an artifact or equipment? Mm, no, I don't think so. Like I can't, you can't even, like, compare it to anything. It's just such a um, such an interesting card. Yeah, such a unique effect. Yeah, unique effect. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Sounds good. That's how green interacts. That's how it disrupts. It does. It's going to blow up your stuff or punch you in the face. I like it. Do you guys have anything else you want to add to the colors or to the talk? Uh, to the TED talk about disruption. Quick, quick shout out to Colorless for having Relic of Progenitus, Honored Heirloom, sure, Tormod's Crypt, Tormod's Crypt, Tormod's Crypt Keeper, Crypt Creeper. No, quick shout out to Colorless for having Scour into existence. Scour into existence. <laughs> let me tell you. No, 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 no. Let me tell you. No, seriously. Yeah. Let me tell you. Game two, the only game I won. Okay, we were coming down to the clock. I. Did a bunch of damage, eliminated a player, had enough damage on board for the next turn that I could eliminate the other two players. Like, I, I lowered their life totals to sub-10, mm -hmm. right? But I couldn't eliminate either of them, so I just lowered both of them. Right. Nine minutes on the clock, past the turn. One player goes, he takes, like, four minutes. Next player goes, he takes four minutes. Gets back to me with a minute on the clock. If I can't win that turn game ends in a draw for three players right so not a great feeling it will not a great feeling right so i'm sitting here like okay i have to i have to win whatever right i i create my gear seeker soap and i give it unblockable i have like 30 mana on the board like this game's been <laughs> legit going for 90 minutes right wow um i i have i give my gear seeker soap and unblockable i have enough flying damage to kill the one dude the other guy, he just has a bunch of blockers, but I'm just like, look, I just got to swing everything your way and hope something gets through. It does. I killed the one dude by getting everything through. The other one, I sent him a bunch of flies, sent him the Gear Seeker stuff, but I sent one other creature because I was just like splitting up creatures and I just shoved it over in the pile, right? And right. said, those are attacks. <laughs> and Here the judge was watching that. our table because we're the only one going, right? Mm -hmm. And my opponent who I send the the flying and the unblockable and the one extra creature with no evasion at says, here's my child of night with lifelink blocking the only creature it can to gain three life. Oh, no. Come on, Until bro. I flip through my hand of 25 cards to find scour from existence to prevent it from blocking. <laughs> that works. When I tell Colorless you... That works. When I tell you the tape, like, and it's not just us, like, the, the other, like, 20 people in the room are, like, watching the game, right? Sure. When I tell you that people flipped out about a hard cast <laughs> scour from existence at instant speed with eight seconds on the clock <laughs> in a competitive tournament, it was wild. It's beautiful. <laughs> See, that's, that's the story. That's, that's a good story. So, so if you ever think Scour from Existence is bad, remember, it can be used to remove lifelink. It, Scour from Existence, right. honestly, kind of a powerhouse. Um, Go buy them now. Get guy. your foils. It's our spell. So, We're single-handedly going to corner will, the market on... I will add, the card that I like a lot more than Scour is Unstable Obelisk. Yes. Sure. Unstable Obelisk is insane. Yeah. This is a scour from existence. I just tapped it for mana earlier. On a rock. You really yeah. can't go wrong. Yeah. You need mana. You yeah. need to kill things. Like this card. Shout out to Obelisk. Shout out to, like, you know, on a lesser extent, Goblin Firebomb, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I like the Firebomb, all right. Yeah. I don't like it as much as Obelisk, but I do like it. 
Yeah, like legit less than 10 seconds away from a three-way tie. And it's just, I'm flipping through my hand looking for the answer. And I just see the scowl and I'm just like, oh my God. Did it like stick out? Like Like, you heard angels singing and everything? Literally, it stuck out to me. Like it's like, I, like I see the light. I look at my mana. I've got like, I've still got like 20 mana untapped. Like I like, I literally untapped everything. Tapped enough mana for the Geoseco Serpent because the judge was sitting at the table and I, you know, had to tap the mana. Right, and of it was course. just like swing attacks. <laughs> like, uh, it running was... out of time, swing attacks, let's go. Yeah, pretty much. I was hoping both of them would just pick it up, but the one guy's like, oh, I got a life flick. And I was like, no, stop. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> see, in that moment, life gain was disruptive to your plan. And like, it, it was disruptive to my plan, but it is just a function of the game. It is. That is very true. Oh, good story. Good story. All right. Did we miss anything for this week? I know we sort of briefly touched on a whole bunch of different stuff. We didn't do a super deep dive on any one thing in particular. So I just didn't know if anything else popped in your head while we were uh, wrapping things up here. I got nothing to add. I'm good. Same here. Looks like we did have a listener question, but I think we'll push that off till next week or the week after possibly. We'll see how next week goes. Wink, wink. Wink. (laughs) Wink. All right. Well. As usual, a few more things before we wrap it up for the week. If you need some more Popper Commander talk, have any questions about the format, you can email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com. You can head on over to the PDH Homebase's website or their Discord server. You can find Liam and I on Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B, respectively. And as always, you can find Dave as Alcadron just about anywhere else PDH is being talked about. So... As episode 40 of the PDH pod comes to a close, we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, play some PDH, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace. Cheers. See you. I brought pop the text at the party. Pop. I brought pop the text at the party.